I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I interview Steve and Charlie Stevenson from Orange County, California. Steve and Charlie led a campus ministry in Long Beach, California. They grew from 25 disciples to 135. Their leadership training helped put 17 graduates to go into the professional ministry. Find out their secret to spirit-led growth in this episode. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The CLIMB Conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. I want to ask you, register today. It's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so worth it. You need to come. Bring your friends. If you're in a church, bring the people around you. Bring your family members. No matter where you're at spiritually, this is going to inspire you. It'll take you to a new place. Whether you're a church leader, whether you're self-supporting, you're professionally in the ministry, whether you're working on staff or supporting a staff couple, whether you're leading a small group or working on campus, you're going to hear some of the most inspiring speakers in the kingdom share about how to grow spiritually and how to grow your ministry. So please go to robskinner.com if you haven't registered already and register today. I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant the Sayurita and Green Valley Church in September of 2023. This is an exciting opportunity for someone who's looking to go on a mission team and lead a small church planting. It's, it's about an hour south. It's south of Tucson, and it's in southeast Arizona, and it's an amazing area. Sayurita is one of the top five fastest growing cities in Arizona. And there's so many great things about it. I, I've shared about Jerry and Carl, who got baptized a while back. But God is gathering people. Already team members are joining. They're selling their houses. They're moving to the area. So that's why I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant this beautiful area of Arizona. If you're interested in leading or going on the team, email me at rob at robskinner.com. If you can't go, but you'd like to support the planting with a tax-deductible gift, click the link in the bottom of the show notes on the podcast here and select the general fund option. Steve and Charlie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I know. I've been wanting to get you guys on the program for a long time. And mm-hmm. you guys have done an amazing job in your ministry. Now you're leading the Orange Orange County Church of Christ. Um, before that, I mean, you've been all over the place. I know you're going to talk about it. But um, I have re- was recently talking to um, Greg and Don Russell. had lunch with them. And they were they showed us a picture of your campus ministry that you led at Long Beach State. And it was just so many people. I mean, just so many people. And they were just they were they were so proud of it, you know, their experience and how many people had gone in the ministry or leadership. And um it's inspiring the influence that you guys have had in in raising up young people. So I look forward to talking to you more. How'd you guys become Christians? Okay, I can I can go first. Um 
I became a Christian. And then once I say this, people can hear it in my voice. They say, oh, I knew I heard a twang or an accent, but I became a Christian in 1988 in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Um, at Tennessee State University when I was 18, 18 years old. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really awesome. It was a small church, um, you know, and there was a girl walking down the hallway, uh, a sister walking down the hallway, just right before Bible talk in an all girls dorm inviting people to church and I heard her and I you know kind of invited myself uh to the to the bible talk in one of the rooms on the fourth floor and we were just in somebody's room sitting on the bunk beds on the floor on the desk um having you know just a good old-fashioned bible discussion and it's really crazy when I think back on it uh I remember them you know asking the questions and you know, me raising my hand, even crying at the Bible talk. <laughs> so I just say that to say that those small, those small group Bible talks on campus really do work mm. for the hearts that pe that God is already working on. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's awesome. yeah. So that's how I became a Christian in, in, um, March of 1988. That that's in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Steve, how about you? You know, um, in high school, I led a Bible discussion group before I was part of our church, and uh, and I was teaching people false doctrines, but didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> and one of the guys that I had brought to my church and had him pray Jesus into his heart um, found our church, and he called me and said, you taught me wrong. We need to get together and study the Bible. Oh, my gosh. So, so I was going to college at that time. We got together. Uh, we studied the Bible. I repented. I was baptized and uh, became part of the campus ministry uh, at uh, the University of Minnesota. So pretty bizarre story how God worked all that out. I'm amazed that you were humble enough to listen to one of your students kind of correct you. I mean, how did, how did you manage to make that leap to listen? Well, it wasn't easy. I mean, it, it took me six months because he kind of started out saying, hey, by the way, you're going to hell and uh, we need to get together. So I wouldn't suggest that strategy to anybody because it, it kind of made me on defense mode for a long time. I bet it did. I bet it but, did. Uh, he, but he did say, you're such a hypocrite and your life does not match what the Bible says. Oh, my and gosh. And I couldn't deny it because it was true. It was it was heartbreaking to have to face the fact that he was right. And it did take me six months wow. of arguing back and forth with everybody. But eventually I surrendered and <laughs> and uh, fortunately God won out. So oh very gosh. grateful. <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive. Okay, so how did you guys meet? So... Um... Yeah, that's a good question. So back in the day in the Los Angeles church, when they were, you know, starting to build the Los Angeles church and it was growing really, you know, it was growing fast. They were seeking help from other churches and 
Um, Rob, that's, I don't know if you remember the connection, but it was during the time when you were leading the Seattle church. Oh yeah. And they had, asked, they had asked if you would be willing to gather 20 people to send to LA to kind of help lead some Bible talks or just be a part, you know, to strengthen or be a part of the Bible talks. It was specifically the South Central uh, ministry at the time. And the South, since South Central was, you know, more ethnic, mostly African Americans or Hispanics, they were really hoping to show that community, you know, and in within the church, I mean, you know, um, other races. And so Seattle was a good church to ask to be generous with, you know, some Caucasian brothers and sisters. And so yeah. although I wasn't Caucasian, you know, I got to come along with that group of 20 people. Mm. And so I that's how I got to Los Angeles. But Steve, similar in a similar situation from was called on from the Midwest, from Minnesota. And he was the following the, year, it the was following one year, year later. And they were asking, you know, some of the churches in the Midwest, would you please be willing to send like one guy and one girl to come and help us in our leadership and to be Bible talk leaders here because they were going so quickly, but, you know, needed help on just the leadership end of things. And so Steve came a year later and we were in the singles together, leading together. And we led together for um, about two years, a couple, of, couple yeah. of years. And we were with Doug and Angela Wins. And also it's where we met, you know, it, it, it's so awesome because it's where we began and um, one, it's where we met each other, but it's also where we began some long lasting best friendships with mm. the winds and also Steve and Carrie Lounsbury. So okay. we all were uniquely put together in that mm. ministry. I just wanted to mention that because that's how we all became friends. It's amazing how God works. Mm. And so they kind of helped. We met, we were leading together, but didn't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> We ended up, you know. Well, we liked each other, yeah, but not in the, the way that yeah, would not be in a, romantic. Yeah, not in a romantic way. Oh, I see. Way. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And so someone, one of the sisters hinted around to Steve, like, you know, I know you're looking for a great, you know, spiritual sister. What about your co-leader? You know, what about Charlie? Right. And so um, he ended up praying about it. And all of a sudden his eyes was open. He noticed me in a more romantic way. And then of course our friends around us nurtured the relationship. And of course there's a lot more backstory to it, but mm. that's how we met and ended up dating and getting married. I don't know how much detail you want to hear, but that's how we, <laughs> that's kind of the backstory behind it. Right. Right. How I mean, God worked, you know, there was so much going on during that time. Uh, we were, we, Charlie, you, you were in the church there in Seattle that we were leading in 1992. Right. And so that was 93 when the church got kind of divided up and mm -hmm. a bunch of people went to LA, a bunch of people went to San Francisco. Some, some stayed and uh, we ended up going to San Francisco in March of 93. 
and then you left and went down to Los Angeles. I mean, just a lot of people, right. Tom Bundy, uh, Todd, I can't remember his last name. Todd was there. Um, Chris, you were, you were dating somebody else at the time. And, right. um, you know, just, I'm, I'm glad to hear the end of the story. Cause we shortly after that, we went overseas to Japan for 10 years. So I never really found out what happened to you guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So much happened during that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you guys ran now, did you ever think you're going to marry a guy from the Midwest? I mean, you're from the South, like ever, ever cross your mind? N- no, <laughs> it, it didn't. And that's but why she dreamed about it. though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... no, so I don't know. That's why I just, I love God and how he takes care of us in all those moves and different things. You wonder God has so much context and peripheral ideas around what he's doing and how he moves. Oh, that's and amazing. So, you know, yeah, totally. But that's how we met each other. And if it wasn't for God doing what he did and bringing us to this unique situation to serve yeah. and serve together, you know, and I fell in love with the person that I was serving with, you know, how yeah. awesome is that? I know. Mm-hmm. I just remember at the time, Charlie, you... You were such a fireball. I mean, you just just shined. I, I mean, you still do, but even back then, I can just remember you were you were special. You stood out for sure, mm-hmm. and and we had a great ministry. I mean, there was a lot yes. of great people in it in Seattle at that time, but you totally de- you was. certainly shined. So anyway, hey Steve, I got a little interesting fact about you that I, I learned at one point. You were a oh. bodybuilder. Okay, can can you talk yes. a little bit about that? What was that like? Yes. Well, um, it's interesting. I, uh, I was, I was a wrestler and I played football and I ran track and, and, um, but I always, you know, in the back of those magazines, they got the Charles <laughs> Atlas thing, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. And, uh, for some reason I just got, I was like, I want to do this. And one of my good friends was, who was also a wrestler an older guy in our, in the church I grew up in, um, you know, we talked about, switching from wrestling to bodybuilding and and so anyways uh then i had this teacher come up to me and he showed me a picture of mr teen california and he said i think you could be that wow and i was like it's a little bit weird but okay you know what i'm saying (laughs) and uh so you know i kind of set aside my other sports and i started training and i joined a, a gym um, started working out, um, gold's gym sponsored me, Wow. uh, another company sponsored me and I was taking $110 worth of vitamins every five days. Oh my gosh. Um, and I just got really into it. I was in the tanning bed every day because <laughs> I'm very white as you can see. Um, but I just really got into the bodybuilding and, and, and I started winning bodybuilding competitions, but I, you know, it was natural ones. It was a natural competition. I didn't, I didn't take the steroids. You weren't taking steroids. No, no steroids, but lots of vitamins. Okay. So what I, I, listen, I'm a big Arnold fan and that's why I'm asking this question. I I love the the topic. (laughs) I had the book, the encyclopedia of bodybuilding. I did everything. I smoked cigars like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I dressed like him. <laughs> Even one time someone saw a picture of me, they go, 
is that Arnold? And I was like, I was so flattered because it was like, um, it was my sister. So she wasn't, she doesn't know that I was not even close to Arnold, but, but at least for a second in her mind, she uh, made a mistake and thought I was Arnold. And I was very flattered by that. That's right. That's great. So what was your highest achievement? Like you're, you're competing. Did what can you, what was your like high point? Um, I mean, the, the last competition that I won was Mr. Teenage United States. What? Okay. Yeah. I'm Googling that. What year was that? No, that was 1987. But again, it was a, it was a natural, natural it was the NANBA, North American Natural Bodybuilding Association. And I don't think you'll find anything because I don't think there was uh, the social media back then. But if you find it, I'd be interested. Okay. All right. I am going to find it. And next time you come and speak at my church, I, that's the picture I'm going to be using. For oh, the, please the, do not. The guest photo. That would, I'm going to that be, would be embarrassing. I'm going to be blasting all over social media. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's great, Steve. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about campus ministry. You guys led a very influential campus ministry relatively mm -hmm. recently at Long Beach State, like I shared at the beginning of the program, I've talked to a lot of people that were really impacted, either converted there or raised up there. People like Dakota Botello, David Molina, uh, mm -hmm. Greg Russell, Amir Burton, I mean, just Jewel Burton, so many people. Can you talk a little bit about that campus ministry? First of all, what kind of growth did you guys see? When were you there? Um, well, okay, hold on a second. Before we go go there, let's just talk a little bit about the time period from the time you guys met to that period. Give us an overview of your minute, your ministry career. Okay, um, that's a great question. You know, we uh, obviously we met in South Central LA. Um, we kind of did bivocational ministry there for about five years. And uh, mm -hmm. God blessed our ministry. And, you know, I was content with just doing that because we really loved doing the ministry. Um, but I was working in the computer industry. My wife was working in administration for the church. And um, but the church came to us and said, hey, would you be willing to quit your job? And so we're like, sure. So before we knew it, we were going to uh, Kansas City, Kansas, to be in the ministry. And uh, we were there two and a half months. We had handed in our ministry plans. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we believe God put on our heart. And they said, thank you for the plans. Now you got to go lead the church in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to have to give us new plans for that ministry. And so we went to go do that. And that was supposed to be one year. Mm -hmm. Three and a half years later, we uh, were asked to go to the church in Houston uh, to be with Doug and Angela wins. Um, that was kind of when, you know, the whole Henry Crete letter came out and, um, we were there a year and a half. Um, we stayed in the ministry, really sought to stabilize things there, but Kevin Maines called us and said, Hey, would you be willing to come to long beach? Mm. And so we, had been praying for clarity of God's will at that time. And uh, we really felt like that's where we needed to be. So we moved to 
to Long Beach, and we spent eight years there. Okay, so give me give me some time references. So ninety, what what year did you guys marry? Ninety six. Ninety six. Then five years, you guys were working bivocationally until what two thousand or something. You went in the ministry. Ninety nine. It was ninety nine. Okay, so mm-hmm. all in South Central we LA. The bivocational was South Central LA, and I had served as a campus minister at the University of Minnesota when I was there as well, before that, but had stepped out of the ministry to go into my career. Okay, so that was 99, and then you went to Kansas. You were going to go to Kansas City, but then you got directed. Did you do the planting? Did you plant the church in Lawrence? Yes. It initially was Kansas City, but... Again, two and a half months later, we were in Lawrence, Kansas, right. the church. Yeah. yeah, where KU is. Okay, so there's nothing there, and you guys just got it going. Well, no, there was a, there was a, about 20 to 30 people there when okay. we got there. So there was an yeah. outpost, and okay. So, okay, so the, the Jayhawks, is that right? Yes. yes. Come on, Rock Chalk Jayhawk KU. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was an amazing, amazing experience uh-huh. being in a college town with an amazing basketball team during that time frame. I think they went to two national championships. Yes. Uh, it was just the whole atmosphere was electric. Yeah, it was we had incredible, and we had two little kids by then. Hmm. We had, um, you know, at the time, our son, Soren, was an infant, and our daughter was a toddler. She was two. So we had a two-year-old and a little baby leading a church in, you know, Kansas that grew from that number. And then when we left... It was 72. When we left. Yeah. Wow. So you guys doubled it in three years. That's amazing. More than doubled it. Yeah. So it was yeah. a really... Um, awesome experience at the in the church. Since it was a small church, we were able to leave the church, but put most of our focus on the campus. And so that was really an incredible time. Also, um, you know, being able to build up the campus and see some of the kids become Christians. And um, and it was also I, I want to say that it was a great time for our marriage too. Mm, being incredible. in a small church. Um, is a wonderful time to help that city to, you know, know Jesus and to know Christ, but also the church that's there, but then also for your marriage and your family. Sometimes it can be perceived that being away at a small church, you're lonely, you, you know, it's hard. And you do feel those things sometimes, but I think for Steve and I, it was a really great growth opportunity. We grew in our characters, we grew in our family, we grew in our relationships and yeah, we had meals with the church yeah. every Sunday after church. Yeah. It was just incredible times. Awesome. Yeah. It was just a great, great time of building family. Yeah. That was a really sweet spot also in our ministry journey, you know? Mm, that's awesome. Okay. Let me ask you this question. You you hinted at it in in earlier when you talk about South Central. You guys have a biracial marriage. Okay. So you tell me, how's that gone? Like, okay, Steve, you were in South Central. Okay. Right around the Rodney King riots, OJ, right. OJ right. trial. Right. Uh, With yeah, Doug, yeah. I talked to Doug Wenz about this, you know, just, I'm like, what are you guys, what were you guys doing in South Central? And then, then you guys moved to Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas. I'm, 
I'm going to guess that's a lot of white people there. I mean, oh, yeah, the Midwest. Yeah, and so pretty, pretty opposite. And then you go to Houston and I'm going, it's probably, I don't know, 50, 50. I, so yeah. how, tell, tell me a little bit about your experience being black and white and leading ministries in different, you know, different racial demographics. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's been really good for us in the sense that we can connect maybe with more people and and I, I feel like God has helped both of us to grow to see things that we would never have seen Correct. otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's helped us to maybe be more sensitive to some of the things that have been happening in the last few years but i also think that um you know we we've we've become more mature in our understanding of things you know regarding that topic because we help each other and yes. she'll always say things like why did you say that and i'll be like <laughs> i don't know why i said that you know and vice versa so you know it, it, it's it's been good for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good for us. And I think good for the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't sure. know if you want to add anything to that, but I mean, no, I would agree. Um, it's, it's great, Rob, how you put all of that together. It's exactly like that in those scenarios, but I think it, it's just a unique perspective in learning people. And that's a part of our job. That's a part of what God calls us to do is to learn and love and care about all types of people. And I think us being um, a mixed race couple, it opened up the doors and kind of forced us to learn that anyway. I mean, I think the first place that I learned more is just by being with Steve's family, his direct family, his parents, <laughs> when you were first married. You know what I mean? They're literally, very, his parents very are, Midwest. are very Midwest. In the and, good and the bad ways, yes. Yes, I learned, I learned so much through his family and, you know, learned... And one thing I will say is Midwest folks are some really good hearted and good charactered people. And I hope mm-hmm. that that's not stereotyping, right, but I right. did see it. I'd have to agree. I, I totally yeah. agree. They're just the nicest okay, people. Good. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, by and large, just good character. You right, know what I'm right. saying? I really love that about Steve and, you know, so much of, of his family. But then Steve learned a lot about. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did. He learned a lot about my race through my family yeah. and just being around a family. But that helped him in leading the church mm. and leading, you know, all types of people. So I, I don't know. I just feel like it's been such an advantage of for us with everything that's gone on in our world the last recent years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I just can't even imagine. And now you guys are leading the Orange County Church. I'm going to guess that's a lot of white people and Asian people. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. (laughs) Okay. So kind of, kind of a different environment also. So 
But I think it's such a, I mean, it's a powerful testimony. You guys are always so loving, so bright, and it's it's such an interesting, I mean, I, we could just devote an entire chapter <clears throat> episode to this topic, but thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. Now, let's go back to, you're in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, or actually Orange County, which is south of Los Angeles. You're in charge of the yeah. Long Beach State Ministry. You've come out of 2003. I think Houston was a mess at that point. It sounded like things went south really bad. So you guys are kind of just probably hurting a little bit coming out of there, and you go to Long Beach State. So talk yeah. talk a little bit about that. I, I just want to – I was – during that time in Houston, you know, with the Henry Crete letter, it wasn't like people were lining up to want to hang out with me. And so I took that as an opportunity to go to Lubbock Christian University. And and, uh, and it was really amazing for me. I took a church growth class that uh, literally transformed my whole way of thinking. And I wrote a 15-page paper on the role of the Holy Spirit in the first century church. And I just got so inspired about building God's church as I saw that the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts kind of showed up in 50 different places at least and, and how the Holy spirit was directing the missional direction of the church. And, and I just thought, Oh my goodness, I want people to experience what I experienced, you know, when I was at the university of Minnesota, you know, being with Dave Pachta and Joel Pete and Chris Tang and all of the way that God used us there. And I want people to experience what happened in the church there in Acts, in, in the book of Acts. And we just thought, we had this mindset of, if not you, then who? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we want young people to have the experience that we had. And that became kind of a one holy passion for us of, we want to build a church that will bring glory to God, that will walk in step with the spirit. Yeah. And... God gave us that opportunity in Long Beach in a way that we could not have envisioned completely until it actually began happening. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I just, it's just an amazing transformational time. Okay. So you referenced your, your time in campus. You, you were part of a very explosive campus ministry at, at University of Minnesota. That's the Golden Gophers. Is that your mascot? Yes. Yes, the Golden Cup. I mean, that's a frightening mascot. That sounds just so scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's is that in Minis, uh, Minneapolis? Is that where it's yeah, located? Yeah, Minneapolis, okay. St. Paul, yeah. Okay, and so um, Roy Larson was your campus minister? Roy Larson was the church leader for just uh, a couple months before he left. I mean, I was a baby Christian when he came, and uh, – or when he was there, excuse me, but he left a few months later. Okay. And Kevin Maines, Kevin Maines came after him. Okay. Okay. Got Kevin it. And Mary after him. Oh, so that's how you have the connection with Kevin. Okay. Great. Yeah. Right. And Larry Head was our campus minister. Okay. So what year were you baptized? I was baptized in 89. In 89. February 22nd, 1989, two in the morning. I had to break the ice off of a uh, horse trough to get baptized because it was very, very cold in Minnesota. That's hardcore. <laughs> now, do you know Joel? Do you know Joel Pede? 
Oh yeah, Joe. Yeah, we were roommates at one point. Okay. We, we got some funny stories that we don't have time for. But... Okay. So t- can you talk a little bit about that campus ministry? What was it like? And how has it shaped your ministry philosophy? You've already talked a little bit about wanting to kind of recreate some things. Right. Well, you know, I think, you know, we saw that ministry grow to 100 disciples. Wow. And and we saw a lot of people go into the ministry from that. Just the campus ministry. Yeah, just from the, yeah that's just the campus. And, and we saw a lot of people go into the ministry. So, you know, kind of my vision is I, I hope that I can one day repeat this and do this again um you know i was able to be an intern alongside larry head to see all this happen but i i was hoping god would use me one day to to do that again somewhere else and long beach happened to be that opportunity yeah so it was an incredible time incredible time i remember hearing about your ministry when i was at berkeley berkeley was also a growing ministry in the late 80s and Oh yeah, but, but I remember That's hearing right. just like these stories about the University of Minnesota. And so, can you name some of the people that ah. came from that campus ministry? Uh, like uh, Dave Pachta was uh, uh, a good friend of mine. We were roommates, and uh, that was just an incredible. He was an amazing partner in the gospel. Just uh, love that guy. Um, I had the opportunity to study the Bible with him. He got baptized in ten days. Wow. And he studied the Bible every day during finals week with a civil engineering degree. Oh, my God. So it uh, can be done. God can do it. So, yeah, yeah. So that takes away uh, the excuses of not studying the Bible during finals. (laughs) But, but yeah, Dave was amazing. Joe Pede, amazing. Chris Tang, um, so many other great people. Right. Um, I I can't remember all their, everyone. Of course, of course. But those, those were, those are the people that, I happened to be with at the time and had the opportunity and the, and the joy of, you know, being partners in the gospel during that time. All the people you forgot to mention will be emailing you and texting you after this podcast. So just yeah, reminding them. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> You've named other people over the years. It's just not well, there, of your there mind are now. so many that went in the I ministry. Know. Many of them went in different countries, but you know, I don't know that they still are in it. And that's right. No, of course not. But, but oh. still are, great hearted full-time heart people that are just still my some of my best friends today okay so you've got a ton of experience coming into long beach state by vocational experience you've you've started churches led small churches you've led been large churches you've been in multiracial churches i mean just all i mean all sorts of stuff that's going on and you've had a, a powerful experience in the campus ministry and you got your master's and so you, you're like, you're loaded for bear when you come to Long Beach State. Talk, <laughs> talk about what you started with and what kind of growth you guys saw. Well, let me just clarify. I didn't finish my master's. Dave Pockt and I were getting our master's together at Lubbock Christian University. And uh, Dave finished and I did not. Okay. And now Dave just finished his PhD. So, <laughs> you know, of course he's, we all know Dave's off the charts. Uh <laughs> And so we just got to give him his props. But uh, I, um, I I will say I came in to Long Beach really excited about what God was doing mm-hmm. in my own personal walk with God mm-hmm. and my own personal passion and desire to build the church. And I think 
you know, it was a it was a difficult time. You looked around the church and mm -hmm. people were like, whoa, what's going on? And mm -hmm. and and I feel like God gave me that gift through the Holy Spirit to be a part of, you know, the uh, this program at Lubbock Christian University and, and to get a glimpse and to see the book of Acts in a different way and to see how God could, you know, still have the Holy Spirit today, you know, like there's nothing that can stop God from working uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we were like, if not you, then who? Right. If not you, then who? And, and we even started out, are we, we got to Long Beach, we, we started, uh, we started an internship program and the initial thought was, if not you, then who? And uh, <laughs> it turned into here am I send me. And uh, that became an L.A. internship program uh, that Tom Brown, Josh Peterson, and myself kind of began. And uh, it was just uh, it was the beginning of God really working. The, the Long Beach ministry itself at that time was going through a very difficult time. Um, As the whole church was, you know, people were um discouraged it was right after the letter not knowing what to do or how to do ministry anymore because just so many mm -hmm. you know negative things had been right said right and people's faith was low and people's vision was low and and what we saw also when we came into Long Beach is that people's convictions about sin had waned uh -huh. so much and yeah we just came in with a plan the theme of the year is holiness or mm -hmm. maybe a church that is holy mm. and the elders pulled me aside and said look there's a lot of challenges you can find most of these challenges in galatians 5 19 <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> that were going on in the church and they're like we just need you to help us be a church that's holy and so we you know i, I think god gave us a very high view of scripture in the sense of if church discipline is in the Bible, then you apply church discipline. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a healthy church like the Bible, you have to implement it, even though it's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. And we, we went through a long period of church discipline and, and it was very challenging and it was very difficult and it was very painful. We ended that time with the sacred assembly, uh, Ed Anton, who's a really good friend of mine, really helped me understand how to have a sacred assembly that would call the church back to its roots. Did and his, was that during the time his book had just come out? Yeah, his book, just... his book had just his book on repentance had come out a little bit earlier than that. And we were working together on the campus service team. And Ed and I just hit it off. We became really good friends. And and I think going through that process i will say the first couple of years were challenging in long beach but then god through the holy spirit took a campus ministry that was it was had been very very weak and that campus ministry grew to 135 college students and at least 17 people are still in the ministry today um, I, you, I know you'd mentioned Dakota Botello. I don't know if he's still in the ministry or not, but he, 
you know, there's many people like Dakota Batella. They're amazing, amazing yeah. people that either win in the ministry and have then come out and are, but are still have these full time yeah. hearts. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it's, uh, it's pretty blow away when we look back on it, like God yeah. in a sense saying, look what I can do. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me get this right. You came in and there's like a handful of disciples, 10, 20, 30, something like that on campus. You know, it's probably between 30 and 40. Okay. Not when I first came in. I think when I first came in, the, it was only 25 college students. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it was, but it was, it was a very, it was a very difficult time because we're talking Henry Crete letter time and very yeah. confusing for people. So you yeah. guys came in, you moved here, moved back to LA in 2003. Is that when you guys came back? 2004. 2004. Okay. So, and how long were you leading that campus ministry? We led eight years. Okay. So it went from 25 to 135 disciples. And from that ministry, 17 people had, have gone on into the professional ministry. I think there is more than that, but those are the people that are still in it today. Okay. So you've talked a little bit about what what were you doing? I mean, you, you essentially stuck to one theme, holiness. We're going to, we're going to drive the sin out of our ministry. We're going to, we're going to call people to repentance and use church discipline to enforce it, which must've been incredibly unpopular in the wake of 2003 to have kind of a, <laughs> a, a real strong stand when everyone else is, is kind of questioning everything about everything right. in, in their faith. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, just your your approach and what what you were doing at that time that was working to grow the ministry so dramatically and, and powerfully. Well, just first of all, I do want to acknowledge it was difficult, but I think the, you know the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. People actually rejoiced uh -huh. in the church when we when we when we followed the Bible's instruction on church discipline. Nobody wants to do that, but God blesses that. Mm -hmm. And we have to have the faith and, again, a high view of Scripture to be willing to address those things. But when we made those decisions and, and then also continued on with our decision that we have got to become great trainers, you know, my degree is in training and organization development, and... So we said we've got to become great trainers of people. So we we would meet every Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. with people who had a desire to be trained for the ministry. And so my wife would lead a group of women. I would lead a group of men. And mm -hmm. I would say that we did that most every Saturday for almost eight years. Mm -hmm. And we, we picked that time just to throw this in for those who are who have families. We picked that time, one, because it was necessary and consistent, consistency was necessary, but also because we had two little kids. And on Saturday morning, they didn't wake up till like 8, 8.30. And so we got up. I, um, this is, I made, uh, you know, some type of light breakfast for us. And the, the girls teased me. One of my go-tos was, 
pumpkin bread. So <laughs> I, I, Trader I, Joe's, Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's pumpkin, pumpkin bread. bread came through. It's still, it still is coming through, through for us. Yes. Today. And sometimes tell me, I do the same thing. I get the Trader Joe's pumpkin bread. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, in the morning so that we could do the training, all be together. And then by the time we were finishing and ending up, our kids would wake up sleepy eyed and walk in and, you know, get to see all the students. But then also the students got to see our family. They got to spend time with them. And then we would go out and, you know, after everyone would leave the house on Saturday mornings, we would go out and have family breakfast together. Um, that was kind of our routine on Sunday and that's Saturday. I, just, I mean, on Saturday. And I just, I wanted to put that in for families and campus leaders who have families, just those little ways that you can still, um, do what you need to do in the ministry, but still take care of your family. But and, I and can I just add something to that? Mm -hmm. And I think some people get a little bit concerned, like, oh, but I have kids, I can't do all that. And I'm, my son would come in toward the end of that and he'd sit on my lap with all the guys there, you know, as we were getting ready to close out in prayer. And he still has those memories. Uh, he does. And he he's like, it's his passion now to build a campus ministry like that. And he's serving as an intern here at UCI, but that's the vision he has of yeah. campus ministry. And, you know, it's uh, awesome. it's, it's pretty exciting that um, that's probably one of the biggest joys for me is that is that yeah. he had that experience and he has that desire as well. Yeah. And then as far as I wanted to go back to what you mentioned about the sand, when we moved along beach and I, it is totally a God and a Holy spirit thing. I know that things can't be duplicated exactly like what God maybe did before he can, the same sentiment, but you know, so I realized that, but it was a total God thing because the people um, the people there were spiritual and our elder at the time was, was so supportive and said, what you must do through God's word, do it. And mm. I'm with you heart and soul and let's do it together. Mm. And I want to, you know, give a shout out to Joe and Sarah Eads because they wanted God's word to, and the holiness of God to be lived out in the church. Yeah. And, and that was their, that was their charge to us when we first moved to Long Beach. Right. And so many of the other leaders, you know, um, there's Dick and Anna G who are, they weren't at the time, but they're now elders in the Long Beach church now, but they weren't at the time, but they also were very supportive in like dealing with sin. Let's, let's make the church holy. Mm. And they, like Steve mentioned, there was actually joy in people's heart mm. when they actually saw things dealt with. Uh, it, the, the church, you know, lit up right. when they saw things change. And then that kind of was the foundation and the catalyst to really be able to build up the campus. Cause we realized we couldn't baptize people into a church that wasn't holy right. in a sense. Right. Oh, that's awesome. It would kind of contradict what we were teaching in discipleship, you know, when you yeah. get to, you study out the scriptures and we're calling them to true discipleship. But then in the church, if they came in and saw 
all of this obvious sin, it would be contradictory. And we both came from a very religious background. So we knew we don't want to just be a religious church. Right. We want to be a church that's holy, that's right. devoted to pleasing and honoring God. And, you know, when we, as we applied these principles to the campus ministry and these things we were learning, the Plymouths sold their house where they were at to move over to be elders for us to focus on the campus ministry, Brian and Karen Plymel. I know. They're that amazing, was, yes. amazing couple. And they supported us. And we we had the focus, you know, we know the Great Commission is not just to go make disciples, but also to mature disciples. So we focused on the making disciples. They focused on the maturing of the disciples. And they built shepherding teams uh, mm -hmm. uh, of young junior shepherds plus them and and so we had a real strong vision and plan of making and maturing disciples. And we set up a ministry model. We called it Simple because at the time our campus ministry was called Simple Truth. And uh, we just said, we're going to make campus ministry simple. S is, you know, shepherding. We, got, we have to have amazing shepherding. I was for impact we got to make sure we're impacting the community and the poor and the needy around us. And we would have programs every month to do that for the campus ministry to be involved in that. Uh, the M was for mission. We've got to remain focused mm -hmm. on the mission at all costs. Mm -hmm. We're going to make disciples. We mm -hmm. are going to be true to the mission of God. And, uh, you know, it was S-I-M-P, um, P, let's see, what was P? Oh, purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Like our purpose is to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that has to be the passion that all of us have is mm -hmm. our, our times with God are paramount. They are yes. priority. Yeah. We make sure that our that we are solid in our purpose, that we are loving yeah. God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. The L was leadership training and the E was education that these students needed to be doing well in school. Yeah, and that's so a that part was, of your discipleship. So yeah. that's that was kind of the ministry model that we used um, as we built that campus ministry. And so I think, you know, the partnership with the Plymouths, and, and I think that's such so critical to the mission of a campus ministry is to have campus shepherds. And we just made a plan for every 30 college students you have, you need another campus shepherd. And we would ask the, the people with the best families, we would ask them, will you come and shepherd our campus ministry? Because we were in California, we're in Long Beach, where the divorce rate at that time, I believe was 78% divorce rate. So we knew that eight out of our 10 kids had come from broken families. And they needed to see strong families to get a vision of what I, we do family devotionals with all of our campus interns. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we were like, we got to teach these people how to have a great families. And so we just, we tried to kind of build the whole person is mm -hmm. kind of what our goal was and our vision was. Yeah. Yeah. So. That, yeah. I, I feel like we're talking about so much. Um, <laughs> I know it's a lot. So hopefully we're not saying too much, but it was that shepherding piece when we started to grow, that was so important because, you know, the life and doctrine is really important. And we knew, Steve and I knew that we couldn't do it ourselves. 
And when no way there, there was just no way. And then even so that was such a pivotal point when the Ply Mills sold their home. They lived in Palos Verdes, which is a really nice area in California. They sold their home there and moved to Long Beach. And Long Beach is a wonderful place, but it's not as nice as where they were living. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've heard some things about Long Beach that it's, it, it's, it's a tougher area. That's, I mean, that's my impression from people who've come from there. It's like there's some kind of rough areas in, in Long Beach. Is that true? Maybe. I think so, but that's, that's, it's such a, a diverse, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just such a great, great place to be. And literally you don't, it's like, you don't see color there. It, it's yeah. in fact, our kids didn't realize that they were black and white. And like in the sense they didn't, they said when we moved yeah, to, when we moved mixed. to the church in New York, um, after Long Beach, when we moved there, that's when they realized they realized, wow, we we never thought about us being mixed, mixed. We never thought about that. Yeah, because in Long Beach, it's just everyone is is a uh, a melting pot. I mean, it's just yeah, that's how it's we a felt. really great place to and it is some rough to, areas, but yeah. not, you know, but there's some really nice areas, too. Got so it. it's a very balanced. I think it's a really balanced city, um, but yeah, that was very integral in the the ministry to strength keep the ministry strengthened is having those shepherds. Okay, so let me recap here. So you've talked about a lot of things. First of all, you had a focus, let's deal with sin, holiness. Then you talked about having a great training program and mm-hmm. having a Saturday morning 6.30 a.m. training. I mean, that blows me away. College students are not known for getting up early, so they'd have to be really motivated to to yeah. to join you. And that then, was part of the reason for the time was how motivated are you to be trained? <laughs> That's awesome. And then you you got campus shepherds with a ratio of about one couple for every thirty kids you had. So you must have had you know four or five couples in there toward the end. And then then you had like a theme. You had a motto with that you kept on hammering. Simple, shepherding, impact, mission, purpose, leadership, education. Anything else? Well, I think one of the other things I would mention is it was it in some shape, form, or fashion. It was pretty daily. I mean, um, until we raised up some of our leaders that are now in the ministry now, like Tommy and Jessica, Don and Russell, Jewel, like, I mean, Greg and Don, I said Don and Russell, Sorry, Greg, Greg and Don, if you yeah. this. Greg and Don, you know, just over time, Steve and I, and still when they were a part of the campus too, but Steve and I were there almost daily on campus and for a big chunk of the day. Um, and then that's what we taught them to be. And Tom, so, it's Tom Brown, T O C, Tom uh, on campus. Yeah. Uh, and that it really did take time on campus. Uh, so we would drop our kids off at school and we would head to campus until they got out of school, you know. And sometimes Steve would stay for studies and I would go pick up the kids and go home. Um, 
different things like that. So but I'm let me just say something that because yeah. that was rare because what we had made a decision, we've been given really good advice from Kevin and Mary Maines that from the time your kids get off school till the time they go to bed, you take no appointments. So we didn't take appointments from roughly three o'clock till let's say eight o'clock, their bedtime. We spent time with our kids. I coached their sports. We hung out. We had family time. We had dinner every single day together. Uh, we made sure that we spent that time with our kids. Um, and, and so people would try to set appointments with us and we'd say, you know, we can meet at 830 tonight, but I want to be able to put my kids to bed. And and I put my I put our kids to bed. My either my wife or I put our kids to bed every every night. Yeah. But one exception was that to that was a Thursday. Thursday we had yeah, Thursday was the hospitality, hospitality night. night. And so Thursday we had all those who were studying the Bible, all of those who yeah. we just wanted to have over who needed encouragement. So, you know, at any given time, we would have anywhere from eight to even up to 20 people over for hospitality, all sitting at one table, mm -hmm. you know, um, one long table, one long dinner family table, just to create that family feel. Experiencing a family devotional. Family devotional yeah. or just talking. You know, we did all did our high lows. And that was a huge memory for our campus. And a lot of people can say this, their kids saying, oh, is anyone coming over tonight? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, although we set off that time for our kids, we would still have people at time on Thursday. That was our hospitality night, our big hospitality night. And then other nights we would have people over for dinner if we needed to just for encouragement and for them to see the family side of things, you know. So did did you guys come into the come into your your ministry there in 2004 with this plan fully formed or is this something you developed over time? I mean, did you have, you, were you running from a master plan from the beginning or is this something you go trial and error? We're going to figure it out. I think the, the spirit of God led us along the path, you know, I mean, the whole idea of the simple thing, it was like, what are we going to call our campus ministry? And they're like, simple truth. And we're like, I like it. Let's do it. And so that kind of started, and then we thought, let's make this into something, mm. this idea of simple. And that kind of evolved as we started realizing what does our ministry need? And so those are the elements, and it just so happened to fit into a bit of an acronym. Um, I mean, we kind of force fit it, though, right. just to be real. But we we wanted to, we were trying to like, we wanted to communicate, this is who we are. This is who we want to be. This is our vision. But it, I mean, none of that was fully baked. The only thing that was fully baked is we're going to walk in step with the spirit. Mm -hmm. And 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 we're going to be holy. And we're not going to quench the spirit, you know, with with allowing deliberate sin in, in our ministry. Mm. So we said, we're going to do everything we can to fan the Holy Spirit into flame. Mm. And, and with that mindset, of course, the Holy Spirit opens doors and closes doors and puts things on our heart. And, and all of this kind of was, it, it was not fully baked at all. It happened over time. Um, and, mm. you know, God blessed it. So wow. it's, it's very inspiring to hear 
and to see the fruit of your, your ministry. Can you share some of your best memories, things that inspire you or that, that really touched you or made you go, that's, that's the footprint of God right there. That's, that's the evidence of God's working. Um, I don't, I think one of the things for me, and maybe you're going to make me emotional now. I mean, we don't even have time to talk about after this, when we went to New York and, you know, I think God allowed us for and, the and Hampton Roads and Hampton Roads. All of that, that was so was, amazing. And then we came back to California. But um, I think just to see, because one of our dreams and our prayers were, is that um, God, this is all you and your spirit, which I know is all of our hearts, and and we know that you know Second Corinthians five, we're His ambassadors to His glory and. But to see these, we wanted the church, not just Long Beach. We wanted the LA church and, you know, whoever else to be able for these kids to be able to serve the rest of the church mm. and wherever else. And over time, we get to see that. We get to see them love God and love the ministry because we need people in the ministry. We need people to lead and to lead God's people and to mm -hmm. shepherd God's people. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps me to see that it's God and the Holy spirit. Um, I, it, it keeps reinvigorating my faith. Uh, and I'm inspired and I learn from them because so, you know, we were the teacher and in a lot of these cases and situations, we become the students. Mm. You, you know, I talk to the girls and I learn from them. I learn from Jewel. I'm serious. I call Jewel every so often to ask her questions and to get her input on things and thoughts, um, especially with the new generation. You know, I learn from Dawn. Um, you know, so these are some of my, these are some of my, so I, I guess my memories of them is awesome in training them, but I guess my best thoughts is um, is seeing them act out what they learned and what God has done in their life. And it inspires me mm. and it teaches me. I am now also not just a, the teacher, I'm now the student. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's like your spiritual God, children yeah. are just soaring. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's so encouraging. I mean, I look back at that time I, I guess we also had this mindset of mark chapter three jesus called to him those he wanted that they might be with him and that you might send them out mm. and you know as i'm looking at the list of names here of these people that have gone out I, I they're all over the place and it's just god it's just god showing off and it's so encouraging because here I was, a guy teaching false doctrines <laughs> in my high school growing up, and God rescued me from that. And now he's allowed, you know, his Holy Spirit to work through me to help these people 
to live out what I always want. I always wanted to be a part of the Great Commission. I heard about it my whole life. I just never seen it mm. until I came to this church. And so still to this day, I, that vision is still yes. very much alive for me. Yes. And uh, and I just want to, I want other people to have that vision. And I want people to come alongside God in this great mission is yes. Marty Solomon says, let's partner with God to put the broken world back together. And I just, man, I just resonate with that. Mm. That just, I want to do that. Yeah. Amen. So I feel, I feel grateful that God yeah, allowed us to be a part of all of that. So many great memories, but I think those are seeing people now and where, mm -hmm. the, where they're at and what they're doing and the gratitude and how, you know, Greg, Greg Russell, such an amazing trainer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Tommy Tang, such an amazing trainer, yeah. Jeff Henderson leading the church in Brazil, an amazing trainer, you know, uh, Tariq and Amir, like you said, amazing trainers. And, you know, I, I could go through a whole bunch more yeah. names here, but I mean, DK Zinikwe is such an amazing trainer. Like these guys are, they, they didn't just sit there and, and listen, but they have applied it in their life and they're reproducing the things that they were taught in I'm just so proud of all of them. I just feel so grateful. One of the memories it's I want to just mention is also just seeing some of them fall in love with each other. <laughs> yeah. So I wish I would have mentioned that earlier, but that was such a joy and an awesome memory, like Tommy and Jessica and... And Amir and Jewel. Yeah, and Amir and Jewel and Greg and Dawn. And I remember in my mind, well, Ch Chaz, Chaz, Chaz with Olivia, Chaz even though Olivia was in a different ministry yeah, and he ended up going to Orange County because, you know, not because of that, but just to continue training, but Chaz and Olivia just seeing them because it was in my mind as I was training them. And in my talks, I just remember it in my head is that I'm training you to be a minister's wife. And so that you'll be able to support your husband and lead women. And it's just, that's also encouraging and a great memory to me because I literally would just in my mind, you know, I wouldn't always tell them because they weren't quite liking the brother yet, but I knew that that was a part of my role. Um, and they're just all great wives to their husbands, but also on their own, they're great uh women's ministry leaders, mm. you know, all of those women, I can't name them all, but uh, all of those women, Jessica and, you know, Jewel and Dawn and um, one of the other girls, she in it, she's Catherine, Peckman. Catherine Peckman. She was already so awesome because her, uh, she's, she's the Plymouth's daughter. daughter. Her parents were the shepherds of our campus. Her parents were the shepherds. She's really awesome. They live in Colorado now. They mm. lead youth and family ministry there. Uh-huh. Um, but I just, one of my great joys also is seeing them be great wives and great supports to their husbands and great moms. So that's just incredible. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So you're there until 2012. Why'd you ever leave? You guys, you guys went on to New York and to Hampton Roads, then came back to Orange County, but why? I mean, you're, you're totally killing it in the ministry. Yeah. Well, I think this is what we, uh, we felt like our kids needed more uh, 
more specific time with us and that we needed more training. We started praying, God, if you would like us to go somewhere else to get more training for our parenting and family, mm-hmm. we want to direct us to the most amazing family people that we know. And we had an experience with an amazing elder, Mary and Larry and Mary Lou Craig, when we were in the church in Houston. And they'd already asked us to go to New York three times. And we kept saying, no, no, no. But this time they called us again. And it was at this time period where we felt like we needed additional training. Yeah. And and they were also the very best parents that we knew in the kingdom at that time. And so we thought, you know what? Let's go. Maybe this is God. Maybe this is God. Mm -hmm. So... And we thought, you know, our goal was to see the the LA church campus ministry grow to a thousand and for for Long Beach to become its own region. But we thought we can't put that vision ahead of our family. So we said we're gonna yeah. do what we need to do for our family. So we'd made that decision. And that was honestly some of the greatest training of our life from a family perspective. And we feel so grateful to Larry and Mary Lou Craig for all that they taught us and all that they trained us and hours, another story, hours and hours and hours of training, which we just, you know, it wasn't always no, Mm -hmm. you know, some of it felt like this is difficult, but man, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Yeah. And so as much so it as it was good, it was good mm-hmm. for us. I'm sorry. And he, as much as we had invested and devoted to training and raising up and all of those things in the church and in the campus and campus leaders, we realized that intensity we needed to put into our family and Steve and I's parenting. Our kids were going into like preteen, uh, junior high, and then a couple of years later would be in high school. And we just saw that the level of um, training and knowledge that our students and people that we were training were receiving, we realized on the flip side, we needed more of that in our parenting. Does that make sense? And at, and at at the rate that people were being trained and raised up. I don't think that we were growing. This is just being vulnerable. I don't think we were growing at that same intense rate in our parenting and we needed that. So we decided, and plus, you know, they needed, we had lots of leadership at the time in LA and in the particular region that we were in, we had, we looked around the room, there was tons of leadership And so when we got that call from New York, we thought, you know, this, this, this may be the Holy Spirit Spirit. calling us here for a, a deep dive in our own personal development, own personal development. Yeah. That's the good way to put it. Okay. So, so you guys went there, Hampton Roads came back after Kevin passed. Is that right? Kevin Maines passed in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And so. Let me just ask you this. If you could go back and start your ministry career over again, would you do anything differently? Um, 
Good question. Honestly, that's a great question. And, and and I don't know that anything stands out to me because I feel like God orchestrated it exactly how he wanted it to be. And, you know, it, I, I guess I just feel really grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, there's been difficult times through it all. Yes. Uh, but super high times. But I, I feel like God is the God of the high times and the low times, you know, and uh, and we've learned so much. And I do think through the hard times, um, you know, we learned that we've got to, you know, one of the questions you had is what advice would you give to those who want to make this life count? And I think it's probably the same answer to both of these questions is uh, I think I would have. I wish I could have focused more on pursuing wisdom from heaven, which is, first of all, pure, James 3.17, pure, peace-loving, full of mercy. Uh, the ESV says reasonable, which I love that word, um, submissive, submitting to God's will, good fruit, impartial, sincere, like like I, I wish I would have filtered everything in my life through mm -hmm. that yeah. lens or through that funnel. Mm -hmm. Is this wisdom from heaven what I'm about to do? Is it pure? Is it peace loving? Is it full of mercy? Is it reasonable? You know, is it in submission to God's will? Is it, does it display the good fruits? You know, is it impartial? Is it sincere? Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done things from the beginning through that funnel. Mm. And then also, uh, um, you know, first Chronicles 29. Um, I found this later on. I love, I love missions offering. I'm very passionate about special missions for me. Special missions is like Christmas <laughs> and, and I love, I love, you know, David's heart in first Chronicles 29, where partnering with God to build his kingdom. Obviously David was trying to build it a temple we're trying to build god's kingdom mm -hmm. um just with that desire that passionate all in everything you got and then to have the heart also to pass that on to the next generation i wish i would have gained that earlier mm. but i'm i'm grateful god gave it to me you know through this journey but i wish i would have had all of that up front <laughs> right <laughs> but i guess that's probably true for all of us sure. right yeah charlie so, no, I, you know, I think I agree with Steve, just wishing I would have had softer hearts to learn the things that I know now uh, earlier, you know, um, but at the same time, all the things, you know, the times when I've fallen uh, short and the rough times due to my own sin or lack of wisdom added, helped me to draw closer to God, to know him better uh, in the end, made me more grateful. Um, grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. And it also, if we learn from it, it only draws you closer to God. And mm -hmm. so those, the rough times and the hard times and the times that I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have gone through, or I wish I wouldn't have done, or sin that I wish I wouldn't have, you know, been in or, you know, fallen short in, 
those very things also have made me more grateful, cling mm. to God even more, love him more, rooted me more, and just made me even more grateful. So, you know. And, and I, I, along what thought. you're saying, I think this is important. Mm -hmm. And this has be kind, become kind of my, my life mission has become to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And when I think about the scripture in James, where it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I think mm -hmm. I spent too many times, too much time being discouraged during hard times. And, and I love, and instead of considering it pure joy, when I'm facing trials of many kinds and, and I, and I, sometimes would give up instead of letting perseverance finish its work so that I could become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mm. And we all know that word mature is teleos and, you know, and, and it's ultimately a maturity and living out God's intended destiny for your life. But the holo kleros, the complete word holo kleros, holo is like a three-dimensional point of view, like a hologram. Mm. And kleros is pieces and and God is looking at me from a three-dimensional point of view, and he sees the pieces that I'm missing, and he's slowly putting these things in when I can handle it mm -hmm. so that I can become mature and complete, not lacking anything, so I can live out his intended destiny for my life. So I think that's, uh, I'm trying to write a book on that, actually, because that's something that God has really put on my heart. Wow. But uh but I think that's, I wish I would, I wish I would have spent less time being discouraged during the difficult times and learn to consider yeah, pure joy and viewing it from the lens of don't get discouraged. God is making you mature. He's making you complete. So you won't lack anything. Wow. And it just changes your whole perspective of yeah. suffering. And, and that, that was a, a gift that God gave me after going through a difficult time, you know, in, in the New York church, but I'm grateful yeah. that God, you know, has put in those pieces that I needed in that time mm -hmm. going through those difficult times. I'm just grateful for them that they've wow. yeah. refined me and they've defined, you know, kind of a direction for my life, which I really appreciate. Wow. So, yeah. Well, Steve and Charlie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the great inspirational example. And I'm filled with respect for both of you guys, for your work and your life. And mm -hmm. I just want to wish you all the best going forward. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and send a link to your friends. Let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find both of those on Amazon.com. Thirdly, support the program financially by clicking the link in the show notes and selecting the general fund. Your tax-deductible gift will help me to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.